last week we uh, the um, we lost our recording and it was kind of mysterious why it just quit on us. So, <clears throat> and um, you can turn with me to Luke eighteen. I'm going to go back over what I shared last week. It was so good. I hated losing it. And then there are a couple people that were, um, there were missing. And um, as always, if when I repeat something, it will. There'll be more to come out. So um, just bear with me. And Larry and Terry weren't here. He was in the hospital last week. So now he gets to hear the message anyways, more or less, whatever condition that is. So um, <clears throat> The Spirit hit him when we were praying. I even know, I know this, I'm very familiar with this, but, but it shocked me. And uh, he had just had something happen last. I'm like, <laughs> like, oh, he's dropping out, you know, so, yeah. And then uh, my grandson was very concerned, too. What, what's wrong with him, Papa? What's going on? I said, it's good. How do you tell a four-and-a-half-year-old something's good when someone's laying on the floor going, <clears throat> you know, so... He's, he's looking, watching, like, I don't, I don't really buy that. Papa, I don't like that. You sure? <laughs> I said, he will be. Talk to him later. He'll be good. <clears throat> Phyllis had been reading through Luke. <clears throat> My Easter message was about um, <clears throat> coming face-to-face with the impossible. And it follows us around impossible situations, as you know. Uh, life is full of impossibles, actually, isn't it? And Jesus acknowledges this in a very interesting situation. And, and he, he says something to the disciples. They're like, well, who can make it then if this is true? And Jesus agrees with them. He says, with man, it, it is impossible. It's not. It's not possible. But with God, all things are possible. I went there because I caught myself like backing off and hiding from everything that I encountered. People that needed prayer and needs and situations and finances, everything. I, I have another way of coping with things, self-sacrifice. I don't know. You know, just there are different ways without, you know, not not in sin, but other ways of coping with, with these kind of things. you um, And being a good pastor, we come up with teachings that kind of allow for things not to happen. I don't know. It's weird what happens. Uh, out of the goodness of your heart and desperation of trying to make sense of things and having people look at you going, why? You know, that, wow. So... <laughs> I don't know if it can be helped, Bruce. I, I love this, though. Um, and we've been praying for the Spirit to fall. We, we so desperately need the Spirit to fall. We really do. And, um, and it's a good thing. It brings good results. Opens up our, our spirits. So in Luke 18, reviewing this... <clears throat> Jesus encounters a rich young ruler that actually comes and seeks him out. Jesus doesn't seek him out. He comes and seeks Jesus out. Asks him a good religious question, you know, what can I do to inherit 
the kingdom. And uh, let me just read out of uh, verse 18. I'm in um, verse 18 of chapter 18. One day a wealthy Jewish nobleman of high standing posed this question to Jesus. Wonderful teacher, what must I do to be saved and receive eternal life? So what do I do? Jesus answers him, knowing how he would respond. Why would you call me wonderful when there is only one who is wonderful, and that is God alone? You already know what is right and what the commandments teach. So Jesus perceives this immediately in him. Jesus rattles off a few of the Ten Commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not lie. Respectfully honor your father, your mother. And the wealthy leader replied, These are the very things I've been doing for as long as I can remember. All my life I've been practicing these things. I've been keeping these things. Ah, Jesus said, but there is still one thing you're missing in your life. What is that? Asked the man. You must go and sell everything you own, give all of the proceeds to the poor so you will have eternal treasure. Then come and follow me. Jesus just presented to him an impossible He may not have known before the moment that it was, but when he heard it out of Jesus' mouth, he went, he's like, he checked out, like bankrupt. I had a problem. And in this uh, passage in Luke, he was devastated, of course, in verse 23. And in 24, Jesus saw his disappointment and I hadn't, caught this before, but Jesus looks right into the man's eyes and says, it is next to impossible for these, for those who have everything to enter into God's kingdom realm. So that would have been really a, you know, you cut me deep, Shrek, that kind of, you know, moment. Nothing could be harder. It could be compared to trying to stuff a rope through the eye of a needle or, um, in, our, in the New King James or King James Version, it says a camel through the eye of a needle. Those who heard this said, then who can be saved? And Jesus responded, what appears humanly po- impossible is more than possible with God. For God can do whatever man cannot. For some reason, this shook the disciples up too. The next thing that Peter says, he starts going through well, we've left everything to follow you. We've like this shook them. They shouldn't have. They should have been solid. They should have been cool. Yep, we're you know we're in, we're in a good place. But instead, they start questioning. Their questions out of insecurity. There, it this threw them off. They've done all these things. Jesus is like, you will get rewarded for leaving father, mother, you know, houses, job family, wealth, you know, you will be rewarded in this life and in heaven, like even more so there. So answers them, but here's this thing that's out now. What is impossible for man is possible with God. Okay, I never put these stories together. The next thing that happens as Jesus enters into Jericho is that Jesus and his followers arrived at Jericho. There was a blind beggar sitting on the roadside. When he heard the crowd approaching, he asked, what's all this commotion about? It's Jesus, they said. Jesus the Nazarene is passing by. 
the blind beggar shouted, Jesus, son of David, have pity and show me mercy. So he had heard the news, the stories of who Jesus was. So he wasn't like Jesus who. He knew. He starts yelling out. Those who were in the front of the crowd scolded him and warned him to be quiet, but the, but the blind beggar screamed out even louder, Jesus, son of David, show me mercy. In our civilized American lives, uh, we, you know, and we'll scold each other for don't get out of line, don't do or say something that's culturally unaccepted, don't yell, don't cry, don't this, don't that, right? We already do. When I've been in India and in Brazil, too, I saw this. Like, you see there, true beggars, true poor people. We don't really know what that looks like here. But you see them, and there's a desperation, and they're... Uh, uh, the protocol for life and when to speak up and when I, they don't have a grid for it. And I've watched other people scold them, even in the church. Like, it's kind of funny. They'll scold them, don't speak out, don't, don't whatever, don't try to approach this person. So I, I've seen that and like made an observation like, wow, this is like interesting culturally. This would be more the culture of India and places like that than our American culture. So I see even the scolding like that, don't do that. But he speaks out, he keeps on, and Jesus, being Jesus, and knowing more than we possibly can comprehend that he knows, he's developing a story here. And he, he reaches out to this man, and... Um, Jesus stopped in verse 20 and 40. He told those nearby, bring the man over to me. When they brought him before Jesus, he asked the man, what is it you want, to do, want me to do for you? Lord, he said, please, I want to see again. Jesus said, now you will see. Receive your sight this moment, for your faith in me has given you sight and new life. Instantly, he could see again. His eyes popped open, and he saw Jesus. He shouted loud praises to God, and he followed Jesus. And when the... Well, there, he, there it is again. He followed Jesus. Qualifications. And when the crowd saw what happened, they too erupted with shouts of praise of God. So everybody saw this. It got Facebook attention. Boom. And uh, so Facebook isn't that new. This ability for news to travel face-to-face -face among people has always been alive and well. And when there's real news, it gets told. And when there are real stories that are out of the ordinary, they get told. And when real situations that were impossible, because you get someone like this, this beggar, everybody knew him. Everybody walked by this place, and they, they did. I have seen this. They show up at the same place on the same corner. They may be uh, severely crippled, they may, and they just learn to cope with life, and they've lost all of their pride, which is probably isn't a bad thing, and they, and they beg, and they ask for alms, and they sometimes have to scoot around and walk, and like whatever, they're, they're crippled severely. And uh, so it's their living and it's their place and they it becomes their whole mentality and they they have a place where this is where they they stay and they are and they're there every day 
Uh, and that's what this would be. So everybody knows this. So it should not be a shock for us to come over into the next chapter in 19 and see in the city of Jericho, so this was just outside of the city of Jericho, coming into Jericho, that Bartimaeus gets, gets healed, lived a very wealthy man named Zacchaeus. And I put it together. Phyllis actually says this to me a few weeks ago now, and, and, and it was like, Jesus tells the disciples it's impossible for a wealthy man to come into the kingdom. It's impossible with man, but it's possible with God. And then maybe he winked. I'll show you. And he encounters Zacchaeus, who for some reason, being a wealthy man, Wealthy people don't climb up trees. Do you understand? And it's not that easy anyways once you, you know, get our age. Well, I'll just leave that all inclusive. And the trees that you used to try, climb, you don't attempt anymore, especially if there are no very low-hanging branches, right? And it's not even a comfortable place to be. I've seen people up in trees. It's not some place you want to go, oh, I'd love to be up there. It's like it's hard to stand in a tree. And he was so hungry, this very wealthy man, chief tax collector, not just a tax collector, but he was over everyone in the region, whatever that meant or whatever the definition was that of that was. And, uh, this was. and he was very wealthy, was very rich. And he was desperate to see Jesus. And I explained, if you've ever been in a real crowd, a real, uh, a, a real place where so many people you can't see, it's biblical and you, you understand that was the kind of crowds that were following Jesus. And the press, it's like you don't even know where you're at. We're not talking about grandstand crowds. We're talking about hard-to-see crowds where you can't, you can't see what you want to see. You find a way. Something made Nicodemus, who was previously not... Zacharias. 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 Zacchaeus. Yeah. Zacamobi. Okay, here we go. Wow. I better stick with the text. I'm thinking that'd be good. So Zacchaeus, very wealthy man. How long have I been getting the wrong the name wrong? A while, just that time. Wow. And um <clears throat> that's that's a good thing. Oh gosh. It says that. In, uh, we're still in verse 1 through 3 Jesus in, of 19. Zacchaeus, he was eager to see Jesus, and he kept trying to get a look at him, but the crowd around Jesus was massive. Zacchaeus was a very short man and couldn't see over the heads of the people. So he ran ahead of everyone and climbed up into a blossoming fig tree so he could get a glimpse of Jesus as he passed by. So he does. Jesus comes along to where he is up in the tree, and Jesus calls him by name. I mean, did anybody pay attention to the fact that he probably didn't know his name? And he calls him by name. 
Because if he would have, then Zacchaeus would have had an audience with him before. He did not have an audience with him. He wanted an he desperately wanted to see this man and the stories that had come from him being in the area. The blind see, like, something's different. Something's going on here. I, I want to know. I need to see this. He became very desperately hunger, hungry for what God could do and what was going on. And so Jesus walks by the place. He looks up at him, Zacchaeus, hurry, hurry on down, for I am appointed to stay at your house today. So he scurried down the tree and came face to face with Jesus. As, hey, Aiden, do you want to preach? Someday. The communion table is a great attraction for the little ones. There's juice up there. As Jesus left to go with Zacchaeus, many in the crowd complained. People don't like this. He wasn't like, what? You're going to his house? Like, he's not a good person. You shouldn't do that. He's offended. And, and it's part of a, it verifies even further how impossible and improbable it was that Zacchaeus was going to become a follower, that he was going to be transformed and changed. And we also, we have our people that we pray for. We want to see them saved. And then if I, I won't do it today, it'll just be a distraction. But if someone lists, just names the right person, you'd be like, uh, no, they're, they're bad to the bone. No way. No way. They, they, they don't, no, they're not going to come to Jesus and they don't deserve to come to Jesus, right? They've done too much. They've gone too far. They have too bad of a reputation. Well, Zacchaeus is one of those guys. Let's just, the, the proof is that the people in the crowd that knew Zacchaeus were like offended that Jesus was going to his house. That's, that's who he was. He was one of those people. He, he made the list. With Jesus, didn't bother him at a bit. It's like, get over it, because I'm going there, and you're going to see something that you've not seen before. You're going to see an impossible, wealthy man get saved. Impossible to be saved. And so Jesus left to go with Zacchaeus. Many in the crowd complained, da-da-da. And they said, he's going to have dinner. He's going to eat in the house of a crook. Now, we have a very shortened version of the story, but more than likely, he did go to his house, and that entailed maybe staying there that night. That's possible. Like, he really went to his place and had a dinner. It was like a, a dinner that breaks fast, the, the words are. The, and uh, Zacchaeus joyously welcomed Jesus, was amazed over his gracious visit to his home. Zacchaeus stood in front of the Lord and said, So something, someplace has totally changed this man's life. And he says this, half of all that I own, I will give to the poor and Lord. And Lord, if I have cheated anyone, I promise to pay back four times as much as I stole. And Jesus recognizes this voluntary, I'm going to follow you. In essence, he was saying that because he's heard the message. He knows the messages. Who knows what the conversation was in his house? We have a very condensed version of the actual account. 
But he heard something. He saw something. Maybe it was that moment when he was face to face with Jesus. Like, boom, that encounter that he's transformed. But he has it and he is transformed. And he willingly does. Here was the rich young ruler in in the previous chapter that can't get it right. And he's a good guy. He's doing everything right. He's not breaking laws. He's keeping them. And he's a man of substance and probably of reputation. And Jesus, like, doesn't tell him he can't. He just gives him something that he's not able to do. Zacchaeus voluntarily gives, he's out of his heart without a command, without instruction. He gives half of what he owns. He makes things right with people he's defrauded, which would have been, if I understand this right, about tax collectors in that era, whatever they said, if they said you owed them a certain amount for your taxes, that's what you owed them. I don't know that there was any ledger or anyone went off of anything. You were at their mercy. They were the representatives to decide what you owed. And, uh, and so if he defrauded somebody, it didn't matter. There was no way, way to appeal it. It was like a hopeless situation. So Zacchaeus recognizes that. He comes back. And he comes to Jesus. He comes to this moment. And he is willingly changed and saying, making the confession that Jesus responds to him and says, this shows that today life has come to you and your household, for you are a true son of Abraham. The son of man has come to seek out and to give life to those who are lost. And interestingly, that very phrase is a It's connected to Ezekiel 34. And Ezekiel 34 is a chapter about the shepherds of Israel. And in it, through the prophet Ezekiel, God really reams out the shepherds, the leaders of Israel, because they they have only taken from the sheep they haven't given. They've abused them. And this is a verse from that. It's, it's the phrasing, you can go right to 3416 and see this. And he, he comes to seek out and to save the lost. And, and it includes those that are abused, and it includes those who have been defrauded and who have not been shepherded and pastored. Jesus' whole mission here, you see him very irritable and edgy towards one group of people. The shepherds. He, he was brutal on them. That was one thing you didn't want to be and be around Jesus. Because he comes. It's like, um, it's kind of like you come back and visit. You're the, you're the owner of a large corporation or company and you go visit the company. And you see everything in disarray and the employees being treated badly and products are bad and whatever. And you're like, what have you guys been doing? You're kind of like a little bit peeved at the, you're very actually like heads are going to roll because you haven't done what I left you to do. And that would be the shepherds at this point, like of, of Israel. And they come back, he comes back in this situation and the people are without faith. They're, they're a wreck. They're a mess. 
They're not healthy. Like life is not good. It was not, it was not a, a place where, where the kingdom was or kingdom principles. Even though we're pre-kingdom in a way, it's still all, all Bible. And so he comes to his, his people who he's jealous for. And he finds them a mess, finds them unbelieving. He finds these leaders who, who have, are only all about the, 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 the details of the law, the letter of the law, and they don't care what oppression, what they put on people. And so the whole call to us is to find the real Jesus things and the real Jesus answers on the real Jesus leadership, on the real Jesus counsel. And, and you, you discern, I'm trying to, I can't tell the story, but I can just say this, that I've been using this, like this is the proof of of. God himself showing how what is impossible is possible. And we look towards healings that we need and finances and different things, but, uh, and all of that is in this basket. But there's also the, the impossible people to be saved. You may know a few of them. Maybe you're one of them. And Jesus, this is, this is the hardest, is to save a man's soul, a heart, because they always have the choice. And Zacchaeus becomes this picture of anybody can be saved. Anybody can come into this. Anybody can get that well done, my good and faithful servant. Anyone can come into, Lord, I believe and I believe so much, I'm going to rearrange my whole life in response to you and who you are and what you believe. And the exercise of embracing the impossible and turning them into things we pray about, it's a hard road for me. I still find myself deferring instead of just standing and believing for what to me appears to be impossible. When I went to pray for Jim Bramer before he went to the hospital this week, and he showed me the x-rays of his back, you wouldn't believe the curve that was in his spine. Right, Jeannie? Like, you're like, how do you stand up? It's that bad. And we're still waiting for the details. The, the surgery went well in the sense this patient lives, so that's good, you know, and, and he's, <laughs> there's good signs, you know. But I agree with Jeannie. He still needs a touch from God. They couldn't do what they even were hoping they could do. They couldn't do it. So hopefully he'll be better. That's good. But there's still this thing where we go with man, you look at it and you go, wow, that's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. 
And if we stand and train ourselves to start believing for what is impossible and just, just face it down, just pray and decree for the impossible anyway. Seek the Lord and ask for his, uh, his directions and his wisdom because there's different situations for every, there, there are different uh, tactics and different things for every situation. Uh, and the Lord showed that. Like, here's this, here's Zacchaeus. The Lord doesn't tell him to sell everything he has. That wasn't the instruction to him. Did you notice that? And I was sharing with Kurt, who's just left the building. No. We were texting after my message. He says, that was great. I said, I know. I'm like, I'm saying agreeing because I just, you know, came to this point. And we were talking, think about the impact that it had when Zacchaeus went back to his fellow tax gatherers and collectors. And you can put on pretenses with people, but when you're really changed, they start asking the questions. Hey, what happened to you? You're not the same crook you were a few days ago. When all of a sudden he's instructing the people under him, oh, hey, make that right. Give them that money back. Let's, we, we defrauded so-and-so. We're going to give him back four times what we charged him. Like, are you crazy? Like, you know, you know, first back, day back at the job and the boss has had a total, you know, heart transplant redo, you know, he's a different person. And it starts to ripple down. All the people that he encountered, he starts making this right, just doing. And guess what story he's telling? He's telling the story about being up in a tree and encountering Jesus. And Jesus himself coming to his house. He's telling that story. And who could deny, you're a different person. And it begins. And everything that he does, everyone that was under him, everyone that he, he defrauded, he starts making this right. I'm telling you, that's a testimony. That leaves the worst unbeliever going, whoa, what's, that's the real story. You don't have to blah, 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 telling people what they should do. Just tell people what happened to you. Tell your story. Tell your story. Tell the effect that he had on you. And go, I don't know. You know, it's like the blind man. He's getting grilled by the priest. Like, how did it happen? And what did he, he goes, I don't know. All I know is I was blind and now I see. How's that for a definition about how it happened? And none of you all prayed for me ever. So, you know, get off my back. Wouldn't you get exasperated after a while? Like, you missed the point. I'm dancing and praising and, you know, I'm a changed person. Because why? Jesus came. It's helping me with praying for people because... All the things we try to do to help people and fix people, the advice we give and the, the whatever. I mean, we go to some extremes sometimes to save these poor, pathetic souls around us, right? Sometimes it's your kids and your neighbor, you know. We get all tangled up in it. We really do. And, and understandably, there's some rough situations there. To finally come to this last thing, they need to encounter Jesus and you can look at him and go, wow, until you meet him face to face, you probably aren't going to be able to change. But that gives me hope. 
Now I have something to pray that I can stand on. And I can pray this. Lord Jesus, meet them. Call them down out of their tree and go to their house and they'll never be the same. Stop all the explanation and all the, all the fuss and flurry and promises and programs. God bless all of them. But whether you're going through a program, whether you're getting surgery on something, whether you're getting medical, we still in all of those things, we need to understand we need God in it. If a doctor operates on you, you still need to pray for that leg, knee, heart, whatever. Because it's, that's what gives life. Because a lot of those things go bad or don't work. Don't be mad at them. Look to heaven. We've got to start looking. And I, I, still, I still struggle. I still hold back. Like I'm, and we just need to press through. Like, oh, that's impossible. Okay, you made my list. <laughs> I pray about this. Lord, show me how to pray for this. Because with you, all things are possible. And you want to save the biggest crook on the planet. If they're willing, if they're willing, I even heard um, some of the prophets, I mean, wow, it's, this is why I love Elijah's dreams. Some of the stories, these prophetic people are getting access to kings and princes and people in high positions. And I forget who it was that was telling the story. They've even, even, through prophetic voices over the years, some of the worst people that we know of in our, you know, present situation, those in, the word is that those individuals have had people come and tell them, if you repent now, there's, there's chance for you. You may still suffer uh, the consequences of your crimes in this life, but in the life to come, you'll have, you'll have salvation. And when I, I went, wow, these aren't people I would give that chance to. Isn't that big of me? Aren't, aren't we just wonderful that we decide these things? It's God that's worked. He's, God's at work in us. He's, he's at work beyond us. He is, and this, this passage, like it just gripped me. His whole mission, Jesus states this, it's my whole mission to seek and save the lost. Like it really is. And we look at the situation, it's like we've got to work harder. No, we've got to believe more. We just have to get in the, get in the place where Jesus is because he is at work. He wants to save these people more than we want to save them. He wants to res rescue things and people and situations and governments. And, and wow, and he has been at work. Think in the days ahead. I know in the days ahead, we're going to see how much God was at work. It's really on his heart to save the world, to save our country, to save, save the oppressed. Believe for the impossible. Because with God, all things are possible. Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you for all that you're going to do and all that you're doing. We just give our hearts to believe. Give our hearts to stand in agreement with you. Teach us the power of our tongue.
Teach us the power of our declaration. Teach us how to plant the word seeds into the earth, as Isaiah talked about. Teach us to declare the things that would change the course of history. And we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been prayed for, blessed, we worshiped. You should be good to go. Kurt, thanks for leading us in the prayer time. It's so good. I appreciate every time you do that. It's so, so excellent. And for everybody that participated in every touch, everything. The Lord is at work in us. He really is. Amen. Amen.